0: We're continuing uh, our series on the resurrection and uh, the power of God in our lives that was established through that incredible miracle of Christ rising from the dead. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This morning we want to put it all together in perspective in terms of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the foundation of our faith. Let me ask you again, how many of you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Really, really believe that Jesus rose? Do you realize how radical that is in terms of the modern secular mind? To actually believe in a physical resurrection? Well, we believe. We believe. And that faith in the resurrection is the foundation of our Christian life there is no compromise when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that there are lots of opinions that Christians have about various doctrines? Points of view about Christianity. But when it comes to the resurrection, there's no compromise. We either believe or we do not believe. It's the foundation of our faith. You know, we can have different opinions about the second coming and just how Jesus is going to return. We can have different thoughts about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and different interpretations of how the Holy Spirit actually works in our life. But when it comes to the core values of our faith, the foundation, either Jesus rose from the dead or He didn't. And if He rose, then we can believe everything He said We can put our faith in him. I remembered our friend in Tulsa just a few years ago. Such a great man in the church. Served the Lord, loved the Lord, was such an inspiration to all of us. And one day he developed this cough and then went to the doctor. And they started to run the tests. And in just a few days, they diagnosed him with lung cancer. And the doctor said that it was something they really couldn't uh, treat and uh, he told the testimony of how the doctor came in with the test results. And he knew it was going to be bad based on what they said. And the doctor kept hesitating to tell him what was, you know, how serious it actually was. And finally he said, just say it, doctor. He says, you can't scare me with heaven. Just say it, you can't scare me with heaven. How many of you really feel like if if heaven is as bad as it gets, we don't have anything to worry about, right? That's the worst. We talk about death. Hey, for us, that's victory. He had that faith. He was not afraid. If it's time for me to go to heaven, then I'll go to heaven. And the doctor was amazed at his faith and how that kind of faith enables us to overcome fear. Resurrection. That's the power. Now, the Apostle Paul says this resurrection gives us a foundation, which is a a practical hope. In other words, he's saying if we really trust God concerning this issue of life and death, we don't have to sweat the small stuff, we don't have to worry about the little incidental things the decisions that we have to make, the pressures of life, the problems we face. The big issue is solved through the resurrection because Jesus lives. We live also for all eternity. 1 Corinthians 15.1 Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which was received and on which you have taken your stand by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For I received, what I received I pass on to you. That as of first importance, underline this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and the twelve, and after appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then all the apostles, and last he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, but not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. Hallelujah. It was the resurrection that made the difference in the Apostle Paul's life. And the resurrection was not simply uh, a speculation, not simply an idea, not simply an opinion of those early believers, but it was a tested historical event that we can absolutely trust in. Wow. How important, how significant is the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, if you take... All of the graves, of all the great leaders, even the religious leaders that lived in history, there's only one that truly is empty, and that is the tomb of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the first time we went to Israel and made our way to the garden tomb, and there pushed our way up through the rain and the crowds and entered that small place and the door was open, and we went inside, and there's a simple wooden sign on the, on the wall that said, He is not here. He is risen. That so impacted my life. How many of you uh, <clears throat> have been personally confronted with death, the struggle? How old were you when that first happened to you? I'll never forget that uh, I lived a pretty carefree life in terms of any understanding of death until I was 14, And in one year, my grandmother died, my father died, and my grandfather died. All in that one year. That was the year that I really confronted death and realized that when someone dies, there's a finality to that. There's a a grief to that that only a faith in Christ can lead us through. I remember my own son. He's probably 11 years old when his grandma went to heaven. And he was so happy and carefree, and I, was, I realized that he wasn't really understanding what was happening. This was the first close relative that had died. And uh, we went to the service at uh, St. John's Methodist Church right here in Albuquerque, and that great big auditorium, and it was the end of the service, and they had opened the casket, and my son, who was, had stayed in the back all along, and the line had passed by viewing the casket, and he wanted to go up and see himself, and I'll never forget him finding his way up, working his way through the pews, finally getting up to the front by himself. And I was concerned about him, that I couldn't catch up to him in time. And just as he got to the casket, he looked in, and then his head fell, his countenance fell. And, of course, my heart was breaking. My son loves his grandma and misses her and realized that that was the moment when he realized what death was really about. We have to grow up, don't we? When we see our loved ones pass on to heaven. But our strength, our hope, the foundation of our faith is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then death has been conquered. Now, I want you to see the foundation here as we work through this very important passage. First of all, The Apostle Paul is speaking to us as brothers and sisters. Now, there were some at the church in Corinth, particularly those with a Greek background, who really didn't believe in the resurrection, didn't believe in Christ's resurrection. And so Paul addresses them as brothers, and he says, I want to remind you that our salvation is because we believe in the gospel, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received And this gospel upon which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly. And what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Do you understand what the gospel really is? If someone asked you that question today. Well, what really is the gospel? What do I have to believe in to be saved? Well, Paul spells it out. He says, if you don't believe this then your faith is in vain. In verse 3, he says, I received and passed on to you. He says, I didn't invent this. I didn't make this up. I didn't preach this just to you. But all believers know that this is true. And I share with you what all believers have believed that you may be saved also. And here is what, what we must believe, which has first importance. First, Christ died for our sins. How many of you believe that? He died for our sins according to the Scripture. Second, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. How many of you believe that He was buried and that He raised from the dead? And that He appeared to Peter, and then over 500 people are mentioned. As those who witnessed the resurrection. How many of you believe that he appeared? Okay. We believe the gospel. This is why we're saved. There's no compromise, folks. We either believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. Or we don't. And this is the test of salvation. Faith in the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, as Paul passed this on to the Corinthians and they were saved. Is it possible for us to pass this on to others and others will be saved? Yes. Sometimes we really complicate this whole process of being a witness and sharing our faith. What is it that you need to share with someone in order for them to be saved? Well, do you have to tell them your story of how you've lived a perfect life? How many of you know that won't work? (laughs) Or just tell them what a failure you have been. And how God has helped you over and over again. Well, that won't help either. The only thing that will really help is the true gospel that God gave to us that we might be saved. The true gospel that Jesus died for our sins. That he was buried He rose from the dead. And as we put our faith in Him, we are saved. We have eternal life. Now, could you share that with someone? You can. You say, now, I don't think I have the gift of evangelism. You've got the gift of the gospel. And the gift of evangelism is in you because you have the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing when you begin to step out in faith to share with others how that gift of evangelism is really activated in your heart. And what... A wonderful, what a wonderful gift it is to share the gospel with someone who needs to be saved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The apostle goes into the specific proofs regarding the resurrection, which are important for us to know. Now. About 40 years ago, there was a book written by a man named Schoenfield on the Passover plot. How many of you knew about that book? Those of us who were Christians in the 70s, the Jesus movement, some of us were in school that time, we all heard about the Passover plot, which was a very popular book where a man went through all the events of the death and the resurrection and explained them away naturally on the basis that It was all Christ's conspiracy to start a new religion. Now, when I asked you if you heard about that, but most of you didn't raise your hand. Now, what's happened to the Passover plot? Well, it's kind of passed over with all the other ideas to explain away the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you have believed that what Paul said was true? That remains. That's our confidence. That's our trust. At the time, though, in the 70s, people were reading this book and so troubled about it and so concerned how do we refute this how do we develop the right answer the apologetics to explain all of this well the apostle paul gives us the evidence all the evidence that we need right here in this passage and if anyone has serious doubts about the resurrection they should pay attention to what the apostle paul said there are four Primary proofs for the resurrection. All of us as believers need to know. What's the first one? The first proof, now hear this, is our salvation. The fact that we have been transformed by this message. It was not a hoax. It was not a conspiracy. But actually something happened that has the power to transform us. As the apostle says, this caused us to be saved. And we know that we are different. Could it have transformed the disciples if it was only a conspiracy? Only an idea? Only a theory? Only the attempt to start a new religious movement? No. Because they were transformed. They had been sinners and prostitutes and rebels and criminals of all different kinds. Being saved and transformed the The witness of a transformed life is an incredible proof of the gospel. Second proof, now hear this, Paul points to the scriptures. According to the scriptures, he was buried. According to the scriptures, he was risen from the dead. And as they trusted the scriptures in terms of their truth and their viability, all of the scriptures pointing to a Christ His sacrifice, his death, and his resurrection, the apostle is saying that is substantial proof that Jesus really did, really did rise from the dead. And here we see that the scriptures fulfilled in Christ the authority of the scripture as we put our trust in what God has revealed. The third proof. The eyewitnesses who saw Jesus after the resurrection. And here, Peter and various other apostles and some 500 people are mentioned. Now, if this was only an idea, a conspiracy, a plan to deceive others, how is it that over 500 people saw the resurrected Christ? They heard him speak. Some of them touched him. They knew that he had risen from the dead. This has been one of the most uh, disputed and tested and challenged historical events in all of history. Let me say that there is more evidence now than ever before that the witnesses of over 500 people that those witnesses were true. And finally, the proof that is given is the apostle speaks about his own experience As Christ appeared to him, and the testimony is given in the book of Acts in the 7th chapter as the Apostle Paul was out persecuting believers and how Christ interrupted his journey and revealed himself. And Paul knew that Jesus was the Christ, Jesus was risen, and he was transformed. And so Paul says, And so I add my witness, one who did not believe, one who persecuted the church. And by the grace of God, I also was saved and I preach this Christ. Don't you know that Paul was a convincing witness, having such a strong testimony against Christ, being Christ's enemy and actually persecuting the believers? And yet he encountered Christ and he had an experience that transformed his life. Well, this evidence is all we need as we consider these ideas about the resurrection of Christ, which have proven to be false. The ideas of men to explain away the miracle of the resurrection. Well, how do we summarize this? And how do we apply this? Well, first of all, Realize that there was a purpose behind the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What was the purpose? Our salvation. God had a plan from before the beginning of time that we would be redeemed through the resurrected Christ as we put our trust in Him. There is proof, ample proof in Scripture The Old Testament scriptures prophesying of his death and his resurrection. The witness of all who personally encountered him and saw him and met him after the resurrection. And then finally we see the profession of faith that comes as we simply accept and believe this gospel. As we realize that what Jesus Christ said, what he taught... And what he demonstrated through his own life and through his death and resurrection in his presence today is the greatest evidence that we profess. I had a friend uh, back in Virginia named uh, J. Rodman Williams, who was quite a theologian from Asbury Seminary and went to Virginia to teach there at the university where I also taught. And he was an Air Force chaplain raised in the Presbyterian Church and was about to quit the uh, chaplaincy because he realized one day he really didn't believe in the Bible. Really didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Really didn't believe in terms of his own personal salvation, the things that he was teaching and he filled out the paperwork to resign from the chaplaincy. And he had been a good boy and very religious and loved his church. But realized that he didn't really have the faith that the soldiers needed to believe. That he, would, he felt like such a hypocrite. And it was on an Easter Sunday morning that he decided to, to set aside the message which he was supposed to preach. Given him by his denomination. And simply read the scriptures about the resurrection. Without editorializing because he really didn't believe that much anyway. And so it was on Easter Sunday morning when he was holding interdenominational services as chaplain. That he began to read to the soldiers and their families the scriptures about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is his testimony. As he began to read his heart began to warm up to the idea that there possibly really was a resurrection. As he continued to read, he realized that faith was a gift and that he had come as far as he could by his own logic and yet still not, did not believe. And by the time, this is his test, by the time he came to the end of his scriptures about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he believed and he believed that he believed. He says, how do you get saved when you're preaching your own Easter sermon? I don't know, but it happened to me. Simply because I began to believe that what, that what God had said in his word was true. And that Jesus, Jesus who had risen from the dead, was there present in that very hour, that event of worship. Bearing witness of himself through the Holy Spirit. Wow. Another testimony. A man by the name of John Clayton, who was an astronomer and a physicist, he was being groomed by Madeline Murray O'Hare as a new leader for the atheist movement. He was a second-generation atheist, raised from infancy by atheist parents who did their best to turn to turn him away from God and to help him to focus on science. Well. He was preparing a lecture series on how the universe reveals that there is no God. Okay, that was his lecture series. And Madeline Murray herself commissioned him to a special project to do his own reading of the New Testament to refute the gospel and show that the Bible was not true. Doesn't that sound like an interesting project? Truth was, he never had read the Bible. He never had read the New Testament. He never had read the life of Christ. Well, you can guess what happened. As he began to read through the Gospels and began to entertain the possibility that he had really limited himself in terms of understanding the, the, the real nature of the literature and the real meaning and the possibility that it was true. And he got into the historical documents to See if there was any verification and how it had been tested from generation to generation. Well, listen, by the time he was finishing his study, examining the resurrection of Jesus, instead of writing his manuscript to refute the scripture, he knelt at his desk and accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. True story. Some of you may have heard his testimony. And so, needless to say, it kind of ruined his career with the atheist movement. And soon he went back, reworked his lecture series on how the, universe, how the universe proves there is a God. And went from university to university telling his story of how he was an atheist scientist until he read the scriptures. Wow. How many of you know that smarter people than you have really believed the gospel? It's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of faith. Yet we have enough factual info, enough proof to provide us the basis by which we truly, truly can know and be saved. Well, how important is the gospel? Well, Paul said that if we don't believe the gospel, there's no hope. And if the resurrection is not true, then we cannot believe the gospel. But if Jesus truly did rise from the dead, if the gospel truly is God's plan of salvation, then we have great reason for a hope, a hope which will transform us as we take hold and believe that Jesus really did die for our sins. Jesus really did rise from the dead, and we can put our trust and confidence in Him. Can I just, how many of you are glad you're saved? We're saved. We know it. We're saved. Why? Because we believe the gospel. You know, I think about how we can complicate it. How we can let our minds wander and entertain all kinds. Listen, we need to come to the Lord in simple childlike faith and say, Lord, I understand in part, but Ultimately, I know that this is your gift that I will never fully understand. And so I accept it. We cannot enter the kingdom through reason alone. We need faith. And so Paul says to trust in the scriptures. Trust in Christ who died and is now risen. And you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this encouragement we have from you, O God. And like those before us who have read the scriptures and believed, those who have felt the witness of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and accepted, Lord, Lord, we affirm our faith. We recommit ourselves to you and we thank you that because of the power of resurrection, we have the greatest hope that's possible. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for giving us all the necessary assurance. We thank you for giving us the gift of faith in order to believe. We thank you for your patience and your grace in our lives as you help us to believe and help us to be established and to grow in our faith and really come to the place where we know that we know that we know that you are our Savior. Thank you, Lord, this day. Lord, we pray especially for those this morning who may not be sure of their salvation We pray, O God, that before they leave this morning, they will be sure. We pray also for believers who are struggling in their faith, wanting to believe more, but finding themselves uh, struggling with their own thoughts and their own doubts. And Lord, we pray that you would encourage each heart this morning and that you'd help us, O God, to just move, O God, forward in our walk with you, trusting you even more, leaning upon you even more accepting and obeying your word even more. Help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please bow with me and look to the Lord. And let me ask you a very important question. If you don't have that assurance in your heart this morning that Jesus died for your sins and that you have accepted him, if you're not sure that he lives in your heart today, the Lord wants you to know how much he loves you, how much he wants to help you and transform your life. I want to ask you to stay after the service and speak with me and those that are here this morning that will remain at the front to just talk with you and pray with you regarding your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here this morning that needs to rededicate their life to the Lord, please, I invite you to come down to the altar, spend some time in prayer. We'll pray with you. We'll also pray for people with personal needs, for healing, for guidance, finances, whatever your need might be. We'll be glad to pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you that we could be together in your name today and that you've encouraged us through your word, oh God. As we have prayed and we have worshipped you in song and as we have received your word and as we have encouraged each other, help us to go out with a greater determination to live for you, oh God. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you this morning.